called Going Out with a Bang. Someone who made a difference in life. Next on Truth For Today. life of no consequence, blending in with the masses, and that is the way most of us live our lives. But if you're one of those who want to make a difference, want to leave a mark in this world for the glory of Christ, then today's broadcast is just for you. Stick around. This is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, who continues our series in Romans called Epilogue. We're in chapter 16, looking at the first 16 verses today, looking at those people who made a difference, leaving the path for us to follow. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now. I'm just going to say, everything that you ever did that was good, that you worked for me, every drop of sweat you ever put in, every offering that was a risk to you, every sacrifice, I have kept a list of it, and I'm going to read it off to you. Imagine. And you know what we'll say? Well, say what Schindler said. I wish I had done more. I wish I'd given more. Sometimes I wish I could go back to being 15 and start all over preaching. I think I'd preach better after I found out how you're supposed to. I wish I had three lives, a hundred lives to give to such a master. Well, he commends him. And notice we mentioned these co-workers Uh, I I list a bunch of people here uh, that all the way through this list, look at you, uh, Mary, verse 6, who worked. Uh, Verse 9, Urbanus, our fellow worker. He must be impressed with people who have a faith that makes them work. Absolutely. Look down at verse 12. Tryphena and Trivosa. You want a girl's name? And what's interesting about these names, it means delicate and dainty. Isn't that nice? But they weren't so delicate and dainty that they wouldn't get their hands dirty. Notice what they did. Who worked hard in the Lord. And the word is copios, work to the point of exhaustion. I see some of our women in our kitchen. I think of Odie. I think at our funerals. Uh, hospitality. I, I think Odie and Tony had, had their grandson of the meantime work hard. Uh, God's impressed when you uh, are willing to work. And we all know that uh, homey story about the guy that had a beautiful uh, farm, beautiful gardens, and the guy said, what a beautiful place God gave you. And he said, you should have seen it when God had it by himself. Now, is that, is that correct theologically? Does God hand you well-watered gardens? No, he doesn't. Mr. Lazy? He hands you partnership. One of the greatest humilities in God is he would stoop to get his work done through you. And your dad doesn't even think you'll amount to anything. I've grown up with many men whose own dad never thought they'd be anything. And all of a sudden, the creator of all the universe says, I'm going to entrust Phoebe with an epistle that will bless the church for 2,000 years. I'm going to use you, sir. 
Uh, you never thought you could amount. You couldn't without the potter. But I'm going to mold you, make you, and make you into something you never could have been without me. I want you. And remember what Christ said, pray that the Lord might thrust forth critics into the harvest. No, no, no. You see, a mule, my dad taught me this. He was a farm boy. He said, mules couldn't pull and kick at the same time. You got to decide if you're going to kick or pull. It's a lot more fun pulling. I'd lot rather help one kid towards Christ than to criticize the whole church. There's some people, they think they're specialists. They find what's all wrong with the church. I'm not amazed because I've met you. And if you're in it, we've got problems. And if I'm in it, we've got problems. So quit wasting your breath. Don't blame God for his choices. Don't blame God for his choices. God's got a lot of weird people in the body, but it just shows you how mighty he is, how gracious he is. Huh? I, I don't hear anybody today. Yeah. I mean, let's get over it. But somebody, oh, I've got insight. What's that? There's a lot of weird people in the body. Well, welcome. I'm glad you saw that. Good. What insight? Did the Spirit illumine that to you? Not many mighty, not many noble, not many impressive, not many wealthy. That's who God said. I'll put in the body whoever I want. And you learn to get along with them. They don't have to change. You have to change. Learn to love what I put in the body. Wow. And a lot of times I've met people, I wish they'd go to another church, but God says, you pastor them. You know, I mean, so get over it. I'm not in charge of who he puts in the body. Not everybody I like has he put in the body, huh? Thank God. Thank God. Sarcastic, I know, but I'm just saying what you think. Um, so he puts these, then look at verse seven. Uh, Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, which is believed to be, uh, he's claiming Jewish connection. These are my fellow Jewish brothers who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles and they were in Christ before I was. Now, apostle is used technically of the 12 apostles. But it was also used as those who were missionaries, those who were sent out. And so it means, I think, either that they were outstanding missionaries or that they were so well known among the apostles that they had quite a reputation of being uh, real servants of Christ. It's always wonderful to see what the fellow brothers and sisters think of you. Uh, could they recommend you? And here he says, these people actually were in prison with me. Where? We don't know. We don't get the details. They're just quick, quick little notes. Uh, but if you serve time with somebody in jail for the gospel, I think you would know them and they'd have an impact. They're willing to suffer for their testimony. You know, a lot of what churches today, we're trying to find out, are they really saved? That's a big issue today. Are they really saved? They know the language. They do this and that. But we don't know. Uh, maybe they just attend, they, whatever, all these categories. But boy, when people acted like this, you knew that they were followers of Christ. Christ had made a difference in them. And when he makes a difference in you, you'll become a person that makes a difference in others. And so said these uh, co-sufferers. 
You know, it's interesting if you read church history, there's a book uh, on the life of, um, oh, I, I'm, as I think of it, I'm going to say Eusebius, uh, that Paul Meyer did, early church history. And it tells about during the uh, persecutions on the church that they would have pastoral meetings, especially after the Diocletian persecutions, 10 of them, they would have pastoral fellowships. And when the pastors would come together, they could, you know what the mark of them was? They'd have ears missing. They'd have eyes missing. Uh, they could show you their back where they took the scourging. And uh, something that happened during that time that Eusebius records is that many believers uh, lapsed when they would be under the heat and interrogation. They would deny that they knew the Lord. They were real Christians, and they would deny him just to get out from the heat and break. And can you see yourself breaking? I, I can see myself breaking. Peter's not the only coward God's ever saved. We cannot get folks to share the gospel without persecution. But they said... Uh, it was very hard in the early church for these pastors to come together. And all over here, you had men with ears missing, eyes gouged out, backs uh, scarred. Maybe they'd buried their wife because they killed her. All of this. And then they would meet with these brothers who had repented that they lapsed. They were re repentant had come back now that persecutions and they had a great rift at first. It took the spirit of God to make them embrace each other because these guys says, where were you when it was time to suffer? Where were you? I don't think any of us here have ever suffered under blood. I haven't. I just know church life. I know over these 38 years, there's been some tough times. There's been some times it wasn't a good time to come to this church. I didn't want to come to it. But I've watched different people suffer through. I've seen pastors all over this country, missionaries, workers, do without pay, do without encouragement, do without affirmation, labor through thick and thin, not abandon their post to stay with it because they wanted to know Christ in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. You'll never know him better than when you get to suffer with him. And the American church doesn't want it, won't take it. So God's giving revival in Africa, South America, Central America, the two-thirds, China even, the two-thirds world and, and the world out there, there's just thousands coming to Christ and whatever the price, anything to follow this man is better than what I'm leaving. Anything it costs. And what did Dietrich Bonhoeffer says? Christ bids a man come and die. Just come in. He never lied to us up front. It will cost you everything, but without me, you'll lose everything. You see, if you're gaining your life, you're going to lose everything. If you're finding your meaning, you're finding your stuff, you're finding your wealth, you're finding, finding. Jesus said, until you lose your life in me, you'll gain nothing. For if you've gained, you'll lose everything. 
Because the only thing in the end that a man or woman will retain and hold on to is everything he put in the hands of God. Because life is fleeting, cancer is pursuing, death is stalking. My own family's going through a time of death and sickness. My wife buried a father in February, an uncle in April. She's at the site of a brother now that we think has double melanoma, doing brain surgery Tuesday. He's going to die, it looks like. He doesn't know Christ. We've got this one having bad cancer die, on and on and on. What last? The only things you've turned over to Christ. If you find your life in this world, you'll lose it all. It's only when you lose your life for the sake of a cause greater than yourself. Well, he says something in verse 5 that I love. I think uh, uh, he uses the term dear friend in the NIV here. Uh, it's really the word beloved. And as you go down through here, he uses a beloved about four or five times. Uh, in, in verse 8, uh, Amplitus, he says, I love in the Lord. Uh, dear friend is beloved. Uh, let's see. As you go through here, you just keep seeing these different references to uh, those, how he feels, the beloved. The believers are ones I call sister, brother, beloved. Uh, it'd be an interesting thing to ask yourself sometimes. Uh, do I feel that way about God's people? Do I consider them beloved by me? <laughs> we know they are by God. I, I consider them brothers and sisters. And part of American Christianity and even growth, as we get bigger, you can become impersonal. I just want to get in, get out. My biggest concern is there's a place to park. Now, isn't that a wonderful reason to go to church? And I'm mad that you, because you took my parking place. Uh, are the saints uh, objects of your love and affection? I, and I like this. Paul said uh, he did something that I find very hard. Uh, I would say for most men, I don't know about the sisters, but in verse 8, do you ever have a man say to you, I love you in the Lord? Now, some folks say, I don't want that in the Lord. Well, you'll have to take it because I may not have loved you without the Lord. <laughs> just take it any way you can get it. Oh, I just want you to love me. I'm not that great a lover. It's in the Lord that I've come to love you. I'm in the Lord. You're in the Lord. He's changed the way I view people. But uh, do any of you men ever say to a fellow brother, hey, man, I love you in the Lord. Hey, man, I'm macho. I'm talking about being Christian. I'm not talking about being a male. I'm more Christian than I am male. I said I'm more Christian than male. I ain't even caught up with my gender. I just sort of act this way because the hormone package came this way. Um, and, you know, I, I see some people have a uh, hard time with loving uh, they're just not, we'll say they're not people persons or they're an introvert. And so us extroverts are the only ones that are supposed to show love. All you extroverts, show love. And all you introverts, suck your thumb. <laughs> or stare in the foyer, nobody's talking to me. Well, 
No one wants to shake hands with a cactus. <laughs> Put down the defenses. Someone said a lot of people like porcupines. They got a lot of good points if you could just get close to them. That's good, isn't it? Come on. I'm wrapping up. I've already been through election, predestined. This is wrapping up, folks. I can mess with you as a pastor. Get over it. I'll give you enough theology to choke a horse. Right? You already forgot it. We're ready to start Romans again. I like what Lewis said about loving people. If you don't know for sure if you love someone, don't sit around and try to drum up the feeling. Have you ever done? The rule, this is quoting C.S. Lewis. It'd be quite wrong to think that the way to become loving is to sit trying to manufacture affectionate feelings. Some people are cold by temperament. That may be a misfortune for them, but it is no more a sin than having a bad digestion is sin. And it does not cut them off from the chance or excuse them from the duty of learning love. The rule for us all is perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. Well, isn't that hypocritical? Do you go to work whether you feel like it or not? You hypocrite? Check sure feels good, doesn't it? They're not paying you on feeling. They're paying you for showing up. Now watch this. As soon as we do this, just acting, we learn one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. So make love volitional, not emotional. I choose to love you. Love your enemy. Do you get all goosebumps? I just can't wait to be good to No, you can't. Do I have to? Yeah. Choose behavior. Choose volitionally. Don't worry about the emotions. They come later. And act as if you do love them. Do those things that would be characteristic of love. And pretty soon the heart starts changing. You can find yourself loving them. But just sitting around waiting for a feeling to come over you, feeling. No, no, you don't need that. You don't need feel. You need obedience. Just do it. And so Paul, he demonstrates this. And then he finally says that uh, uh, he mentions a brother in verse 10 that's approved because he's been tested. Um, there's something, and this, Paul already knows. I don't know what the test was, but he's obviously passed it and become approved. And uh, you know what? Uh, I think that's the amazing thing for being with a congregation a long time. I've seen different ones of us do different kinds of tests. And sometimes you watch them and say, will they make it? Will they stand true? Will they stand true or will they bail out? Uh, what are they going to do under the test? What are they going to do? You see, we don't know what's in the tea bag until we put it in hot water. Then we find out. And a lot of times we don't know what you are until God chooses to test you. You didn't ask for it. You've got that rebellious child, grandchild. You've got that problem that, that, that doesn't make you look good. You don't look like the outstanding Christian of the year. You look battered. But we've watched some people coming out battered. The sales rent, but they passed. God got them through refined them, broke them, 
pruned them and made them into something that it took a lot of scars to get them through. I would just say I am struck an amazing character that's mentioned here is a guy by the name of Rufus. Rufus. You know who Rufus is believed to be? Get this. I just think this is wonderful. Rufus is believed to be the son of Simon of Cyrene who carried the cross. He had two boys, Alexander and Rufus, Mark 15, 21. And scholars believe, history seems to vindicate that he's probably mentioning the son of the man that carried the cross. I'd like to say to you parents, don't worry about exposing your kids to too much God. They're getting exposed too little. I don't want to make my kids go to church. Well, that's your problem. You don't want to make them do anything. Someday they're going to make you cry. You better make the decisions while you can. Shape them, do everything you can. I just think, Simon, can you imagine raising those two boys? I was there, son. I saw him burying it. I saw the bleeding. And uh, I was conscripted by the Roman government, but obviously came to faith. And these boys, at least Rufus, comes to faith. I would just say to you that uh, we're going to land in heaven someday, and uh, God's going to remember the lovers. He's going to remember the people that were the workers. He's going to, uh, uh, when you come to know this Christ and drink of his mercy, uh, you actually can be foolish enough to risk everything for the sake of the cross, as Paul did. As all the early apostles, every one of them risked their life to follow Christ. And, uh, oh, American Christians, us, us, who grew up with so much and with so little difficulty overall, uh, may we ask for that kind of Christianity that says, uh, I want to work till you come. Uh, I want to make every risk I can, financially, physically. I'm going to spend myself on the cause because I don't want to end it the life in my life, and they'll write down, had lots of money, excellent health, and no impact. Sure was a nice guy. I hope that's not your legacy. I would like it to be something like uh, died pursuing Christ, went out devoted to Christ. I love the simplicity of my father. You know, he, he told us when we bury him, that the greatest thing we could say about him was he was a Christian. He, would always, he said, if you're truly what that word means, you could say nothing greater about me. And so on his epitaph, that's what we put. He was a Christian. Well, when my mother died, we thought, what did we say? She was a believer. And so we put on her epitaph, since she's right next to him, and, and she was too. We save money on the engraving. You can say no more. When we bury you, what can we say about you that's true? 
Saving the best for the last. And we're taking a look at the epilogue of the book of Romans. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. And we thank you for joining us today. As we close out our time together, we would remind you that copies of the broadcast, as always, are available for your review at your convenience or to pass on to friends and loved ones, maybe even make use of in small group settings. Now, we also have the entire eight set, that's 47 sermons on Romans. The series is available for a gift of $100 or more. Or if you would just like the series that we're currently in the middle of, simply entitled Epilogue, that is available for a gift of $15 or more. Now, here's how to contact us if you would like these resource materials or others that we have available. You can reach out to us by phone at 855-833-9864. Again, 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, and we're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Also, you're welcome to visit our website, valleybible.org. And if you visit the website, you'll learn more about us and who we are. Also, the other resource materials that we have available for your growth in Christ are all found, again, at our website, valleybible.org. And we would also remind you that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX as you come alongside and partner with us. As a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil. It's our weekly video devotional. And again, it's all for being a TFT sustainer. Whether it's $5 a month, 20 a month, or whatever the Lord lays on your heart, there's no gift too small or too large. Again, we rely on listeners to continue the ministry here on KFAX of Truth For Today. So please consider that as you contact us toll-free 855-833-9864 or as you stop by our website, valleybible.org. We do take secure donations online, and again, that's at valleybible.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.